Last time on Video Night. It's Buckwheat Sonia. And now. Video Night. Hey there, Michael. Uh, hello. So, uh, today we're going to be talking about 2005's Man Thing. No, we're not. No. Are we, oh, why por- not? Wait, hold on. The porno version Man Thing? What are you talking about? I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. I, it, nothing that, that doesn't exist. I don't watch porn. No. <laughs> but I still don't know what you're talking about. 2005, Lionsgate and Sci-Fi Channel got together to distribute it. And so yeah. that's how they secured uh. it. So, And it was made in Australia. It's called Marvel's Man Thing. Come to life. I guess story-wise it works. I haven't seen it. I can't even find it. It's as if they're uh, so ashamed of it you can't find it. I'm sure somebody has a DVD of it, but I mean like streaming? Yeah, yeah, it's not available. I mean, Lionsgate yeah. doesn't do a lot of streaming. You can't find a lot of Lionsgate on Vudu or anything. They didn't really sign up too much, which is just stupid. Well, I mean, you can I buy also... their... No, you can buy their stuff, but they don't come with codes or anything. Yeah, well, this is the one. This is the weirdo one. Are we really talking about Man-Thing? Because this is not what we discussed. I mean, we... No, 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 okay, we're not really you're, you're talking about Man-Thing. <laughs> this is the trap. This is the Michael trap. Okay. It's a test, really. Okay. To see if you're going to do it, and by gum you were, which means you failed. <laughs> I was just like, Michael, all right, all right. stay on course. Well, you're leading me around, buddy, so I just follow, because I'm a big old gump. Um, Why did I mention Man-Thing? Man-Thing, because you wanted to talk about the weird contract that Lionsgate had with Marvel, and Marvel was bankrupt, and they were going to make movies of Iron Fist, Captain America... No, 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 that's not what I wanted to talk about. I mentioned Man-Thing just because it's a hero monster, but, like, that's a super unconventional hero monster. Yeah, he's barely in it. It's kind of a villain. But anyway, hero monsters. You came up with this show idea. Let's do hero monsters. And I was like, yeah, well, there's there's not many. And then we started thinking about it. There's a ton. Man-Thing's one of them. Faust is another. Oh, boy. Can we talk about that for just a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hold on. Spawn, okay. right? Major motion picture Spawn. Yes. Paid good not money ve- to see not, that. Urgh. Not very good, especially because of the CG. There's some certain things around it that are good, but I find this story to be incredibly dark and dull and depressing anyway. But there's an, a movie that came out uh, later, but the story was earlier, and it, they're both adapted from the opera about Faust. But Faust, Love of the Damned, is adapted from Tim Vigil's comic book, and the comic book is pornographic. And the really? movie was made... Wow. Yes. Like you're talking Beyond R? Yeah. Whoa! The comic really? book was pornographic. Yes, very pornographic. American comic or European? Uh, independent. All right. Independent American. So, Brian Yusna got together, with, I think, with Film Factory, something like that, yeah. a Spanish company, and then they made this really whacked out, disgusting movie. Because it's Brian Yusna and he likes body horror. And his version of body horror, if you've ever seen Society, <laughs> Society is one of the... It's just so gross. Yeah, it's icky. It's not even fun gross to me, but a lot of people like it, but whatever. Anyway, so it's kind of like that, but also, if you've seen Spawn, it's kind of like Spawn. But the movie's full of Dutch angles and disgusting special effects. And, and crazy acting. That lead is like, wow, you're going to 10 on this one, aren't you? All the way. Yeah, well, it's like maybe his only time that he gets a lead position, so he's like, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> You can't fault him. But anyway, I, I suggested that one. I know I basically got to talk about it as much as I wanted to. It's not good, but it is a monster hero. 
<laughs> so check that one off the box. What, what else is there? Uh, well, we talked about Swamp Things, but you already did that on your show, which uh, yeah. it's a really good episode. Well, okay, let me ask you, your preference of Swamp Things. Oh, two. There's not even, there's no doubt about it. Right, even though it's like super, like the, no. it's really bad filmmaking. Yeah. But, I, I, but it's so good. Yeah, well, hold on. Are you arguing that Wes Craven's filmmaking in the original is good? No. I tell you what, Wes Craven's a guy who learned how to be a good filmmaker. He didn't yes. start off very good visually. I watched some early stuff and compared to like 10 years later. After he evolved with, I was, what do we say? His peak is probably New Nightmare. Uh, and I mean, Scream, you know. Those yeah, movies. yeah. That, that time when he's got like big budget money. By, no, Swamp Thing is god awful. It looks like a guy in just a latex suit. I don't believe for a second that, I, no. It, it, the action is so repetitive <laughs> and ridiculous. All right, the strength of It looked of like Swamp it was Thing. filmed in pea soup. And I don't mean because it's in well, a it swamp. Is. It's a filter. It's a filter on it. It looks uh, like oh, garbage. Oh. Yeah, I'm saying the, the swamp is pea soup. But... Yeah. The, the strengths of that are the actors. Uh, Ray Wise, Adrian Barbeau, that's basically the strengths of it. And, and Dick Duroc as Swamp Thing in the suit, he's pretty good with his voice and as much of his eyes as you can see. But yeah, they're they're bad. And you were saying something about my episode. What did we just watch? Do you yes. like that episode? I do. You guys really got what I was feeling about the movies. Here's the weird thing is, again, a movie where I never actually watched it, I read the paperback version of it, Return of the Swamp Thing, and it had unbelievable pictures in it, and there was a creature in there that was like a leech monster that horrified me at 12 and uh, wait okay so you're saying it's a leech to me it's like a squid so it's like a combo i think maybe it's, it's got like this gross. sucker face sucker mouth yeah thing. no ew no. this is before i really got into horror and for some reason i just never made my way back but i just watched it on um voodoo or i can't remember what i saw it doesn't matter i'm not plugging your apps people will you pay me first <laughs> <laughs> um no i watched it sponsorship and it's the it's a newer print and it uh, looked amazing. It popped and it looked like a comic book. It had the comic book attitude. It had good action. Swamp Thing looks like Swamp Thing. Yes, but it's hilarious, right? It's hilarious. I think it's a lot it's, of fun. It's yeah. a, those two side characters, the little kids, are so funny. Oh my god! Yeah, what are you talking about? You, you got girly magazine? Oh my god! We got right, stop. Always trouble. Stop. <laughs> but. What we've got, we're not doing Invisible Man or anything like that. Um, that's not really a monster. I know, I know. It's just Hollow Man. We were looking is around a villain. For, well, we were looking around for a fourth one. I mentioned Memoirs of Invisible Man because Invisible Man tends to be a villain. But we yeah, and that's he's, yeah. a, he's a hero. Like yeah. he's a he's like a fugitive type yeah. story where he's a anti-hero in a way. Not not your typical <laughs> anti-hero, can but you, yeah. Can you imagine if that was the, was the sequel to Fugitive, where they're just hunting him down? Tommy Lee Jones is like, search every... Well, search everywhere. We don't know where he is, so just search everywhere. We're, so, uh, he no. went invisible. <laughs> yeah, the Hollow Man serum. And Hollow Man, of course, is a villain. That's like full-on villain yeah that doesn't even count so that leaves us with what well we also talked district nine which uh... nah see that's he's not a hero he's not a hero he's a tragic character but he's not a hero in district nine he's he's a guy that it's inexplicable how he gets mutated but he ends up becoming exactly like the aliens that he's basically apartheid bigot about yeah and the shoe's on the other foot now ha 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 look at you now you're the alien what do you do but he's not a hero even though he has a plight right uh, there's hellboy so... but we did that for the dark horse we tossed that okay off. Uh, hellboy. we didn't we didn't toss off i don't know yeah um, <laughs> uh okay. we talked about mandroid and the other was it what is the other invisible he's the sequel to mandroid um okay right. well mandroid showed up in a movie before that i think and yeah. then they made us 
Oh, it's invisible. I don't know these Charles Band movies very well. No. <laughs> so, uh, you know what? We were going to go in chronological order, but I think it's perfect now. We just set it up is there is one from Full Moon that fits this criteria, and it's shrunken yes. heads. Some kids are always getting picked on, and there's nothing they can do about it. Come on, guys. Look, Sally, could you just stay the hell out of this, okay? Even when things seem to be going their way, the bullies <laughs> won't leave them alone. And that's for putting your hands on my girl. But these kids have someone watching out for them. Well, those boys bother you. Someone very special. But even he couldn't save them from their fate. They're dead, but not for long. I command you, awaken. I can't feel my body. I feel so weird. This is so bad. Now, the little guys are in charge. Shrunken heads. <laughs> Which I had an absolute blast watching this. I saw it about 12 or 13 years ago while I was at work and I wasn't really paying attention to it. This time I really dived in and this is one of the few American productions from Full Moon, which is during this time, actually, period. He was always known for doing Italian and then over what, uh, Czechoslovakia or something like that, where he did most of his movies. Poland, Prague? I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I don't know where he makes his but they, movies. They all like have, I said, I don't know much a, about band. They all have a very similar look. Yes. And with the exception this of some is, of the bigger stuff like Robot Jock, something like that, he would shoot them there. Uh, Shrunken Heads, maybe. This is all very backlot. Yeah, very backlot, very L.A. I am almost guaranteeing you this is leftover uh, sets from The Flash TV show. Oh, that's what you were saying. Yes. So this movie was directed by the same director of Forbidden Zone, Richard Elfman, and written by Forbidden Zone actor Matthew Bright. Matthew Bright had done Freeway. Modern Vampires. I, th- I believe he did Freeway 2 as well. Matthew Bright's a weird dude. They're yeah. all actually, Elfman is weird too. Now, hold on. Was he a member of Blanco Blanco? No. Or he Richard just part Elfman. of the acting troupe? That, that group is very strange because they started off as like a vaudevillian revival music. Yeah, the theater. Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Yeah. So, a little crash course on the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Richard Elfman was part of it, but he wasn't a major part of the musical aspect of it. Danny Elfman was writing all the music and he got into jazz and Cab Calloway and all this stuff and so they started doing that. And they got on the Gong Show as well. Really? But they also, yes, they you can find that on YouTube. They did The Forbidden Zone and in the midst of Forbidden Zone, Danny discovers the band Madness, you know, from the UK. Our house in the middle of our street. What if it wasn't the band? He just discovered Madness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He discovers the band Madness and their ska sound. And he was like, I think I'm going to take Oingo Boingo in that direction. But, you know, because he's Danny Elfman, he has his own fingerprint. He doesn't just go full ska. He makes it different. And so, for a long time, I was a big fan of Oingo Boingo. And I didn't have any clue what ska was. Until the mid-90s when that came up. And then I realized that I liked a whole ton of ska. And I didn't even know it was called ska. You know, Oingo Boingo being one of it. So then Richard Elfman has never made a sequel to his Forbidden Zone, even though he wanted to. Has had a limited film career. And this is since I knew about Forbidden Zone. And then I learned about Shrunken Heads. I was like, I've got to find Shrunken Heads. And I think it's one of the unofficial movies of the Ed, which is Evil Dead, Ed and His Dead Mother, Eraser Head. See, they all have Ed. You push, you're pushing they all that have last Ed one. In you're the pushing title. that last one. <laughs> No, no, they all have Ed in yeah. the title. Well, there's so evil this Ed. is just there's a thing. Too, right? 
No, I never went with right. Evil Ed, but these were movies that I sought out that I couldn't find at the regular Hey, uh, you got any movies with that word Ed in it? <laughs> no. Oh, it's no, a monkey movie with Matt LeBlanc? No. I put them down in my journal, and I was like, movies of the Ed. That's what I'm calling it. So, so uh, Shrunken Head came up on cable, Yeah. so I didn't have to seek it out. So I saw it on cable. And you said you saw it, what, 13 years ago? Yeah, I caught it on... It was when it was when streaming first started, and they had it wasn't on Netflix. It was on some other app that was trying to be the first guys to really launch streaming, and they died off. Whatever that, and it was mostly just full moon movies and stuff like that, real low budget stuff. Um, which people forget, Netflix started off with real low budget stuff. Yeah, that's where I discovered it. And it was really bad print, and I couldn't I couldn't hear it very well because this, like I said, the very beginning of streaming. And I was at work, and I just wasn't really paying attention to it. But this time, I, I got a really good quality off of uh, <clears throat> whatever app. Pay me up, buddies. We, we <laughs> We just, we, okay. just started, we just started an app called Whatever App. <laughs> what, what's the story uh, about in a Basically, nutshell? it's uh, it's kind of a throwback, but it is clearly set now. Uh, or, you know, when it was filmed, 93. And it's about these three kids in this tough old classic, like, New York-style neighborhood. And they're dealing with the local ruffians. And they're run by Meg Foster, who, you know, very interesting, strange performance. Super strange. It's just like... Yeah, so Meg Foster, dude, first off, you always mention her eyes, right? Her eyes are crazy. That's one of her great things that she doesn't even have to do. She just has to appear and open her eyes, and then the camera loves her. And here she has a pompadour, (laughs) and she basically is a dude, except she's not a dude, except she is a dude. Is she? Yeah, she never never, never brought up, but it was very interesting. This is during the revival of the whole ska swing, really digging into, you know, because of Batman and stuff like that. It's just before that. Is it? Okay. It's just but you can feel, that. like, there's that yeah. tendency to, to go back to that. Well, it's, yeah, it's like, a, it honestly feels like it's set in a strange, because of the back lot and the setting, how it looks like a false 50s. Yeah. I, I just, something about it really appeals to me because it's like an alternate reality where uh, now and then were combined. Sure. And uh, oh, this is the story, though. Why is it called Shrunken yeah, yeah, let's Heads? Yeah, back to the story. So Meg Foster is like the big gang leader in this t- this little neighborhood, and she decides, hey, they're causing problems. They reported, what was it, a drug deal or a robbery or something like that? They were stripping old lady so-and-so's station wagon. And one of the main boys, there are three boys, a blonde kid, a tubby ginger, and a black kid. They snoop on the ne'er-do-wells, the vipers, goings on and they video record their crime and so they bust them that way yeah and and she decides she can't have any of that bs or whatever so she decides to have them killed and uh, the local neighborhood was like the newspaper man newspaper man he used to be a haitian police officer but apparently in haiti if they really wanted to take care of somebody they would tauntaun makut that's what they're called they would employ voodoo or hoodoo to exact justice and in this instance these dead kids he takes their heads shrinks them and then does his hoodoo and, and what happens dude nonsense complete and utter nonsense don't even try to rationalize what happens i don't know why he shrinks their heads down why does he decapitate them i don't understand why do they get electric powers why does one get fangs why does one okay let's be serious really a switchblade he just spins his head and pops a switchblade out of nowhere why not <laughs> why not give him a headband with razors on it why why walk around he has to talk he can't how did he even get the knife in his mouth in the first place? You tell me. He pops it out and slices the guy's throat, and I was like, why didn't you just like give him like uh, earrings with spikes on them or something? Just what the? Oh, give him a little mace with spikes on it at, uh, on his little ponytail. 
<laughs> or what do you call that? You know, why the switchblade? That makes no sense to me. But uh, this movie is complete and utter nonsense, and that's what I kind of enjoy about it. All right, so the shrunken heads aren't just laying on counters with these things; they're floating in the air. That's the other major it nonsense part. Great if he had part. just picked them up and threw them at people. The old man just tossed them like softballs. <laughs> hey, wait, where are we going? Oh my god! <laughs> they're like, ah, shrunken head. Ah. I don't want to touch. That's a real kid's head. No, I don't want to touch it. This movie was rated R, and band intended to make a PG-13 film, and so it's a very soft R. I mean, you get some blood. Yeah, violence, but it's almost you know, done comical because, but... like, when they get bitten, they come back as zombies. They're like almost goofball zombies who fart a lot, right? I don't yeah. recall. Wait, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't do your homework. Thing. I know that the farting thing is also in Spookies. Yeah. Oh, so. I haven't seen that one. Oh, God. Well, you should watch it before you listen to the next episode of What Did We Just Did you do that a year ago? I swear you did that. Okay. No. It was a plan, but I just finally got to it. Dude, this movie's so, so dumb. It is. I understand that you like it, but it's so dumb. And every time I watch it, I'm like, I get through it. And I'm like, this... I, I don't know. I, I enjoy just, how ridiculous it is. It's something that... It is oh, ridiculous, but it should have been way crazier. And Richard oh. was like, what? You gave me an R? Yeah, but also the budget is oh, super tight. It, They're notorious for... It didn't matter about tightness of budget or anything. They deliberately wrote things softball. And he's like, if you're going to give me an R, I was just going to go crazy. But you guys said go for no. PG-13 and we still got an R. So that's his gotcha. lament. Well, I mean, there's <laughs> like, some things that bother me about the movie. One is the fact that the music's all over the place. Clearly, they got, you know, right. Danny Elfman to do... He did he a theme at the a great very beginning. Theme. And then there's little stuff here and there that are intermixed that sound like it goes with it. But then there's this cheap, crappy digital, just a guy noodling around on a keyboard, which sounds... Yeah, it's all banned. Yeah, but it sounds completely out of place. And... Yeah, I'm kind of surprised he grabbed Steve Bartek. You know, he's always the guy who kind of fills in when Danny Elfman can't do the whole thing. Like, why not have him do yeah. it? It just costs a little bit more money. By the way, while watching this, and I noticed that Danny Elfman also does the score for quite a bit of this. Actually, almost all of this. And then I texted you, I think Oingo Boingo is now my favorite band. Like, it's just a weird thing that just dawned me because yes. I only ever had their greatest hits. I never actually dived yeah. into their catalog, and I sat there just going, oh! Wait, which which is the greatest hits that you have? There's yeah, a I have. Do you have the one that's all, Boingo. like, pixelated yeah best of bungo yeah okay that's a pretty good one yeah. the um but yeah i've been just listening to catalog like crazy lately and i'm now getting to the point where i'm like ooh, demos that were never released and it's... oh no yeah i know my favorite i believe is actually danny elfman's solo no which... Ew, no no i like it a lot i like it a lot because oh, i love gratitude it uses different elements instead of just being the full band with the horns and everything he uses all of those elements but in a in a more limited capacity and is more electronic but it has like some of my favorite songs like gratitude and stuff like yeah. that. yeah so. which you know what's funny is i didn't even know he sang that for years we had the beverly hills cop soundtrack and i listened to that song about a million times and never knew who sang it it's something that, oh yeah i didn't know it was on yeah that. Oh, because i don't watch every major motion pictures by <laughs> super blockbuster oh, it's so many 80, so many 80s movies had <laughs> boingo boingo songs in it i was surprised of course. Science. yeah no 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 uh, 16 candles plays uh uh, wild Sex in the Working Class. It's like, oh. and That's such a good song. That was then. This is now. Uh, it starts off with Just Another Day. Yeah. It's just probably a Teen Wolf 2. Uh, that, that was one of my favorites. <laughs> I would say that's probably my favorite. For All right. We're going off. This is not so, the Oingo Boingo podcast. It is the Oingo. Let's derail completely. <laughs> Sorry. 
Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, All so right, Shrunken so. Heads, yeah, it's, I think it's a, you know, I'm not going to buy the thing. I'm not stupid. <laughs> I have Mike. taste, Andrew. Don't you understand? <laughs> if I'm going to go for a full moon sure? picture, I'm gonna, clearly going to go for a Lurking Fear. Hmm. Lurking Fear is fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Solid Gordon. So, what, yeah, okay, so, yes, we both enjoy and actually understand why it's bad. Yeah. But you, if you can find it, watch it. You'll roll your eyes in humor, I suppose. So while we're on the Danny Elfman thing, we might as well just go into the fact that, you know, once Batman came out, he became the go-to guy for, like... A very specific sound yeah. of at least intro to a big And thankfully movie. he broke out of that later because I think he was getting bored. But for about five years there, almost everything sounds like some variation on either his Beetlejuice, or I would say Pee-wee. Pee-wee, you know, that, that bouncy... Or his Batman. And you yeah. definitely get it with Darkman. Who is Darkman? I gotta tell you something about me. He's a cockroach. You think you kill him, and he pops up someplace else. In the darkest hour, there's a light that shines on every human being but one. Darkman, rated R. You know, clearly he was hired the second, you know, Batman came out, like, holy crap, who's this guy? And he does a whole score for this one. Now, was Sam Raimi earlier on, I'm asking you, was he trying to get Spider-Man made and they said no? No. So he made up his own character? It wasn't Spider-Man. Do you, you don't know? Or are you, are you just setting me up? He was trying to get the shadow. He was desperate to get the shadow. He's okay. been trying to get the shadow made now for about 20 years. And for whatever reason, he can't get anybody... Well, first off, he says the scripts are never right. I don't know what that means sometimes. Does that mean it's not right because the studio won't take it? Or he doesn't feel it's right. Ah, could be. Anything. I feel like the window but, is gone uh, for the shadow. I feel like that's more of a TV thing now because it's just not. Big yeah, enough. Russ Mulcahy got it. He's the guy who did Highlander. If you want to learn more about the Highlander series, just a side note: go back in time, or just like get on the internet and look at Retro Rocket Entertainment's back catalog. We go through the Highlander series. Russell Mulcahy directed the first one and the second one. Yep. And so he did the shadow. So guess who didn't do the yep. shadow? So Sam. Basically, Raimi. he took elements of stuff he loved as a kid, fan of the opera, you know, a lot of the Hammer films, uh, The Shadow, and I thought there was another one that was an influence, I can't remember right now. But uh, a lot of the, just the old gothic Universal creatures and stuff like that, and of course, thankfully, Universal signed on for it. If I remember correctly, Universal was not the original company that was going to put this together, and they were going to only distribute it, someone else was going to produce it, and they ended up paying for the whole thing. Kind of like the way they did with Matinee. Uh -huh. It was never meant to be completely paid for by Universal. And then they, like, oh, we're going to do it for $8 million. And then they saw the potential after Batman, and then they cranked it up to $16 million. Thank goodness, Ooh. because like some of these sequences would have been impossible at $8 million. Well, I'm just going to get into what Darkman is for the fans who haven't seen it. Uh, we have no fans. My mother doesn't count. <laughs> I'm just calling people who like movies fans oh, okay. who might happen upon Do you think it's weird when someone tells fans. you they don't like movies? You're like, oh my god, what planet are you from? How long have you been here? Yeah, it is weird, but uh, a lot of people just like television, not <laughs> yeah. movies. I had I'm, someone, I'm the opposite. I had someone once tell me, I don't like movies. They make you feel things. Yeah, it's called art. <laughs> yeah, I want to feel things. Gosh. Jeez, you robot. I want to empathize with fictional characters so that I can maybe learn by curiously through their experiences learn i know no. everything andrew i do not need art <laughs> beep up <-bop. laughs> so dark man is a scientist it's liam neeson in his first action role that didn't take but the role was pretty good he's a scientist who is trying to come up with a synthetic skin 
to help burn patients, recreating actual skin and molecules and stuff like this. But it keeps on dissolving after 89 minutes, I do believe. Like in the 90th minute, it just melts. And that's the very beginning of the story, basically. They get so close, and then the area is uh, strong-armed by uh, Durant, the villain. And they just want the land where he is, this warehouse that he's got his lab in. And so they burn it down. That's why? Because I've seen this movie about 15 times, and I keep going, what's this memorandum about? Why? why It's a land deal where uh, some politician needed it or something, and they were working with the crime. It's actually how a lot of business is done. If you watch True Detective Season 2, it gets into this. It's a bit boring. But, like, there's criminals who own the land. They're dealing with bureaucracy and politicians who want the land, and then so on and so forth. There's greasing palms and so on. But they burn the place down with him inside. He ends up falling in love with some lady after the fact. No, she she works for, not Durant. Who's the other guy? Yeah, the politician yeah. guy. Yeah, he, uh, well, I don't think he's a politician guy. I think he... The story isn't that complicated. I, I don't though. know why I'm even complicated. Okay, let's screw this. Skip the story. But I just always wonder about the stupid memo on her desk. Like, So that's why they had to blow up the lab to get the memo and then you know it ends up you know the one with the coffee ring it's i just watched the movie too it's and I'm, I'm sure everybody's at home going <laughs> this dude is straight up a dumb dumb well listen okay all of his flesh has been burned to such a degree that his nerves have been severed or at least that's one of the ways that they can deal with they ner- severed his nerves so that he can deal with the pain so he doesn't have that pain while he heals but they can't make him he can't control better emotions, looking right. yeah at yeah. all he also can't because control he's his, just a big burn dude the synapses in he his can't brain control his because without feeling pain your your adrenaline levels go willy-nilly they made some excuse like that as the way as super strength and he's all bandage wrapped mummy looking with the the shadow hat and the cloak but he does use his technology of the skin thing and they do the mission impossible masks so he can look like anybody including bruce campbell at the end and walk around for just under 90 minutes and do his thing i don't think that the story is that compelling actually i, I think i think the action film that, that's most fun. of it i think a lot of it here's the problem i wonder what the movie was like before chuck papar <laughs> what papar i feel like i'm steve martin and uh yeah i know what you're doing yeah, his name, his but name, who's that guy he's the writer he's an ex-navy seal and he was like the hot guy for about eight years there he did hard target navy seals quick and the dead i think he was married to sharon stone or they were really close because well i like quick and yeah the yeah dead. but he's the guy who would just write more of the action oriented stuff but i think he's mm, also okay. kind of tone deaf when it comes to how people talk okay well this actually has every sam raimi uh it has ted raimi it has bruce campbell ted is in it more often than uh bruce. putting bruce, bruce campbell on the cover of the shop factory release is bs he's in it for two seconds oh really they yep. did oh that's he's right and he's on the left side and you're like oh why why are you doing this no but i find the film fun and in particular when liam neeson goes on a date <laughs> it's my favorite okay, why scene. not go to a movie if you need to yeah, stay in the they- dark <laughs> Go to a movie. They go on a a 90-minute date to... So basically, actually, just like maybe a 45-minute date. Because you got to think about him getting to the place. So then minus some of that time. Unless he has the contraption with him to... And he doesn't to pull out the mask. You you think he he would have a spare mask. Because let me just go to the bathroom (laughs) and put on another mask. Come on, man. He can duplicate anybody's face as long as he's got a complete photograph of him. And so he's got his own face, and he's on this date with Francis McDormand. They're at the carnival, and this guy's harassing him, like calling him a this and that or whatever. It's let's run with you. Yeah. 
for there's no reason to call him a freak or anything, and it's a carny calling him this, and then he breaks the guy's fingers. I just wanted to go, you <laughs> low rent Alice Cooper looking. <laughs> it's just a very well edited scene, and it's comically timed, yeah. and it's uh, it's got a great tension to it as well. At the same as being funny, it's hard to do that and be taken seriously. So you take it seriously enough that oh my god, this is a formidable character, and he's also kind of off his nut a little bit. He breaks the guy's fingers and he tells the woman to take the elephant take, take stuff the bear already yeah I love that scene it's so good there's gun stuff in it and whatever it's not nearly as uh, kinetically directed as the evil dead or army of darkness you know the studio had to have him tone that down there's just no way yeah but that's the stuff I love yeah. from Sam Raimi including Spider-Man 2 when Octopus gets his tentacles that scene where they go haywire in the surgery room is amazing and it's totally Sam Raimi style I'll say this and that's the stuff that's totally missing it's only there a little bit I have a weird fascination with carnivals I don't mean amusement parks hmm. Not necessarily, but I got this weird fascination of carnivals. They're disturbing yet appealing at the same time. That is a fun part of the scene because he's at a place where they would have freaks. Mm -hmm. And he's the biggest freak in, in, in the eyes of that guy. And I thought that was really... Well, he's also... But he's also got this self-esteem problem as a lot of uh, trauma patients do. Like when they get scarred, burnt or something. Yeah. They now feel that they're incomplete or hideous or a monster to those that look at them. And they're not wrong. We see a person with burns and we all maybe feel sympathy for them, but we also just instinctually wince yep. because this is not how a human is supposed to look. So he's got all this psychology going on beneath his performance, and it's freaking great. So Liam Neeson, kudos. The, uh, Unfortunately, he didn't reprise the well, role in the next I always movies. wondered about this. See, when I was a kid, I didn't know about box offices until I got into high school. That's when I became fascinated by it. I thought this movie was massive. I really did. Nope. I, I remember seeing... Uh, I mean, it was... Who is Dark Man? It was Man? on our was horizon. Everywhere. I mean, that's all he talked about. And even Entertainment Weekly said they did a, a bang-up job promoting this movie. And I was like, oh, this is huge. And I didn't know until later that it barely made its money back because it cost 16 It made 30 in America. I don't know how much it made on international whatever video. But, you know, they did the sequels mm -hmm. and they tried to do a TV series of it, too. And they just, they're not even... I don't remember the There's TV a pilot. There's a pilot where I would say it's 45 minutes long and 15 minutes of it is used footage from the sequels. And nothing happens. Nothing happens. It's it's so boring. They couldn't even get, what's his face? Arnold Vosloo, <laughs> who's in the sequels, to show up. I think making Durant the villain of the sequel was the biggest mistake. I hate it when they use the same villain in the second movie. It drives me nuts. Well, they, I mean, they, Jeff Fahey's also a villain in that. No, stuff, he's in the third so. one. They should have made. Yeah. They should have made it like if it's a true trilogy. You bring a Durant back in the third one. You know, you build it up. Right, whatever. Right. I just thought that the, the same thing with the Ninja Turtle movies when they brought Shredder back for the second one. I was like, look, there's a huge catalog here. Come up with a new villain. They should have come up with like, okay, so I get Jeff Fahey because he's kind of like the anti-Darkman. He's in incredibly handsome, smooth, and he's got good skin and hair, whatever. So he's the he's like the reverse Flash of the Darkman world. Yeah. They should have gone that in the second one. And and also, I just hate the fact that. They they were so cheap, Jack. I think they've done them for like yep. $4 million or shot back to back. I just didn't know. No. I, I don't like them. I mean, you can watch them right now. All of them on HBO. I think they're they're streaming. HBO, give us money. <laughs> we should just extort people. We're, we're going to edit this out. <laughs> You're going to lose business if you don't take this. By the way, I was laughing to myself. You might have heard it at the beginning of us talking about Darkman because I was thinking of the robot guy listening to an old printer going... That's my jam. Doing like a little solo to the dot matrix printer. <laughs> okay. I don't know why I thought it was funny. I, I don't know what that's about, but all right. 
it's just it's it's, it's a printer it's a printer solo. <laughs> okay, moving right. on. Uh, so are are we done with Darkman? Yes. I do you right re- you recommend it? Yeah, but it has. I I think um, uh, if you want to go back into yeah, what informed Cook Michael Cook? Definitely, I watched I've this. Been, a I've lot. taken to call. I know too many mics, so I've been taking to calling you over here when I reference to you. Yeah. Even sometimes to your face, but most of the time when I'm just talking to LB. To differentiate you from all the other mics, I've just been calling you by your last name. Yes. So, But you know, that's... I'm classy. I always go by Michael. Come on. Yeah, well, I just know too many. Sasquatch Jones, oh, so. a.k.a. So anyway, hey, uh, so what, what informed our tastes... We had to go through a bunch of garbage and some stuff that wasn't quite garbage. Darkman isn't quite garbage. It's actually got some good stuff to it. But now, I don't necessarily enjoy watching it. I don't. But I ben, did not. I, I totally I did. I did not enjoy watching the next movie we're talking about. Even though I loved it growing up, I watched the director's cut this time, and I was kind of miserable. Oh? Yeah, I'm gonna burn every bridge we've built with this show, but I think that Clive Barker is an amateur. <laughs> he is a terrible filmmaker. He has no idea what humans sound like. And maybe that's the point. Maybe I'm just like, all his movies are an alternate reality. He's more fascinated. I love the world he built. I love the worlds that he built. It's the same thing with David Lynch. I like the idea of the worlds that he builds, but when he tries to execute it, I don't get it, except David Lynch knows how to direct. I don't think yes, Clive Barker David Lynch, David Lynch is an artiste. Yes. So you might not like or even get what he's doing, but you know that what he's doing is interpretable art. Right. Whereas I don't now, feel that way with Clive Barker. I just now Clive Barker is a writer. Yeah. Not a director. Yeah. A good writer, not a good director. Although the one movie that I accept of his is still a movie that I don't quite enjoy, but that's the Scott Bakula. Oh, I assumed you were going to say Rawhead Rex. <laughs> uh, Lord of Illusions. That one is fine if I'm going to have to watch something of Clive Barker's own direction, but Nightbreed. Hello, I'm Clive Barker, the writer and director of Nightbreed. I've always loved monsters. I think there's a corner of all of us that envies their powers, but would love to live forever, or to fly, or to change shape at will. So, when I came to make a movie about monsters, I wanted to create a world we'd feel strangely at home in. I've called it Midian, an underground city peopled with creatures from our darkest fantasies. Things that feed on blood, things that avoid the light of day, things repulsive and fascinating. Forbidden souls, hiding from their cruelest enemy, man. I hope the breed will remain with you as they remain with me. After all, we all need a few friends to get us through the night. Where were you when Nightbreed was released? Uh, not watching in the theater. I saw it on video. This is one of the very first horror movies I was allowed to watch. Oh, Very, wow. very early on. Um, I told, we've had this discussion before. My dad hates anything that's not real. He can barely tolerate sci-fi unless it's action-oriented. He cannot stand any horror. Barely tolerates fantasy. And so it's not him. My mother saw, I think she saw the trailer for this, and she was like, oh, well, that looks different. That looks unique. To her, well, I think Well, absolutely it, does. To her, it wasn't about, I think they sold it as a slasher film, but... Uh, there's a big slasher element in it. Yeah, but so. the trailer sold it as a slasher, but when it was on the video shelves, they sold it as, like, a crazy monster. Almost like, I can't remember, it was like a Dark Shadows kind of thing, where it's just like this whole world of monsters. And that was... Yeah. I think that's why she was okay with us watching an R-rated horror film. And we watched it, and we were fascinated by it, and I just held that really high 
Spy for years, and then I watched the new cut, and I was like, oh, well... Is it called the Cabal Cut? There's, I think there's three different versions now. <laughs> God. Stop it, Arrow, yeah. or whoever well, you are, there, Shout. I think there's the director's cut, which was by Shout, because they, yeah. they bought Morgan Creek, and they have the rights to it. And then there oh. was the Cabal Edition, which somehow isn't owned by... I don't even know how this even works, because didn't they cancel the Cabal Edition? Oh man, I don't know. I don't know what it does. It yeah, doesn't, I, I doesn't, heard it, about it that he was working that. Yes, there's a lot um, more character bits. There's bits that make a lot more sense because yeah. they're the connective tissue. It's not as fast. You have to be patient with this. Is the, a novel, right? This is a novel as a movie. Now, so there's this guy who's crazy, crazy Craig Sheffer. He's going to a psychologist, and the psychologist is kind of trying to um, antagonize him, basically uh, provoke his craziness, and he wants. For some reason, he has this dream or something to get to this place called Meridian. And Meridian is like a this dead town or something like that that has a cemetery. So he gets there. And under the cemetery lives the Nightbreed, which are darkness dwelling. This doesn't make any damn sense, dude. Why aren't they just like everybody else and have, like, you know, like different sized noses or whatever? Why do they have to have completely unique monster features among them no idea yeah it's just like well didn't they say that each one it's kind of like the x-men where they their um powers reveal themselves in different ways manifest manifest that's a word yeah i thought i thought this is basically clive barker's version of doing like he says star wars but to me it was more of an x-men what star wars he said it was his uh, star wars trilogy of horror back then he was just kept trying to sell it as a star wars trilogy of horror that doesn't make any sense at all but uh, unless he's just talking about when you go into the cantina yeah that's you funny. got a lot of different aliens <laughs> not any of them are the same except for those two furry dudes over there they're the same costume. and they're just two guys they're that are furries and they got lost on the way oh god we thought this was a oh, oh boy <laughs> awkward uh where's the furry convention yeah the direct we don't like your this. types here the the cabal edition there's so many more monsters than I ever imagined. They just pile on every monster. In the- I was like, oh, I've never seen this before, or that, or that. Oh, my God. Well, to this credit, the monster effects are pretty cool. Yep. They're neat. They're crazy special effects. Danny Elfman also did the score, or at least the theme for this. I appreciated the whole thing. Dang, Danny Elfman. Man, did you set this up? I did, on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I'm going to tell you, when I was a kid, I saw a news report in the paper about it, and it had a picture of the slasher character who has a sack on his head with button eyes and a zipper mouth. He can't see. And I thought, How does he see? I thought that was a really cool design. It is. Also, it's stupid because it's just a, a rubberized sack. It's not actually a real sack, but it's got texture as if it is. So, it's obviously like a rubber mask. And it's, I'm supposed to believe that it's a sack around his head. But it's just a really cool sculpt. So, I've cut that out and I put that on one of my collages. I used to make these things, collages of things I was interested in. And that was up there. My parents come into my room and they look at that thing and they go, oh, it's stuff. But if they knew what that stuff was, that's a murderer <laughs> that my 14-year-old self is like, that's such a cool design. I don't care if he's a murderer. He's holding a big old butcher knife. So uh, <laughs> I haven't seen the movie yet. It's a scarecrow looking for the rest of his mouth. Yep. That's <laughs> it. But I hadn't seen the movie yet, and eventually I did see it like two years later when it came on cable or whatever. And I was still like okay with it, but it was not quite satisfactory. It's just if you like monster effects... That's that's where it's at. Yeah, it's uh, it's an almost movie, and I'm all, I'm, I'm yeah. But I'm why glad does no sequels, man? 
Cronenberg plays a psychologist, and why is he trying to get him to go to Meridian and then track him down and stab him to pieces? Because he hates the mutants? Well, Meridian is a terrible insurance company, and frankly, he wants to know why he's being ripped off. And he has to find him because they're insurance people, and they want to hide, right? That's it. Is Meridian actually an insurance company? I'm certain Meridian is an insurance company. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) If it isn't, someone better go create one. Okay, so, but what's the Wait, wait, is it Meridian? No, it's it's just a bigot, right? Is it Meridian? Midian or Midian? It's Midian. Ah, you know, it's I probably I Midian. Screwed I screwed it up. I've been saying Meridian. But he's just doing this thing because he's a bigot, right? Is that it? Basically, that's his motivation? Freak- well, no, 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 no. A part of it, I also thought it was because he was trying to set him up as the killer because, I don't, I don't know, I think they were starting to get close to him and... To make Craig Shepard look like the guy who's been killing all these people, he could get away with it scot-free and blame it on him. That was a big motivator, too. Like, he's crazy. He's okay. trying to find this place called Midian. Do you really stand by this ever now, or do you just want to burn it all down? No, I don't want to burn any film down. What are you talking about? What? I'm not a, I'm not a, you don't? I'm not a film burner. Orgy of the Dead? You don't want to oh, burn Orgy of the Dead down? I did not say I wanted to burn it down. I just said it was ridiculous nonsense. It is. You're right. But boom. I right? have no interest anyway. in anything from Vinegar Syndrome. Really? Uh, I ah? watched Body Melt, though. Okay. I, didn't, I kind of like that one. But that's how that, yeah, that argument yeah. starts. See? See? That's like, there's like two. There's like two things. Yeah. But the obsession anyway. with Vinegar Syndrome is mind-boggling. Yeah. You're right. Boutiques in general. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, but uh, are are you where are you, where do you stand on Nightbreed? Uh, now? I'm fine with it. Uh, I remember reading the comic books because Clive Barker wanted to continue the story, and since Morgan Creek just wasn't interesting because it lost money, obviously, that they decided to continue it for like three or four more years, and they completed the story, I believe, over on the I think it was called Marvel epics or something like that it was it was a special line that clive barker had done where he was running basically his own line of comics and nightbreed was yeah the like, adult marvel imprint yeah. epic was it epic i'm pretty sure it was epic I, there's there's stuff i really like but i'm gonna go ahead and go with the oh god i don't want to say it but the cabal cut is almost too long too, too self-indulgent yeah so there's a reason why editors exist the, well, no i don't i also argue the original cut isn't good enough the director's cut is fine fine yeah okay. it's kind of like Waterworld with the ulysses cut it's it, there's a lot of new stuff but i'm not sure if it's necessary except that ending was a wowzer and i gonna tell you <laughs> okay it was dry land the whole time no. <laughs> <laughs> they were on land the whole time yeah, just hallucinating on <laughs> somebody's big infinity pool <laughs> tripping <laughs> balls producer Plunger thompson walks up to him he's like get out of here this is Blood country. Ah. <laughs> Dolphin country. <laughs> Dolphin. Uh, so, so uh, the next film I said I've seen many, many times. Seen it once. True. I just, I don't know, man. It's probably my favorite Marvel film. What? Outside it. Well, stop. Collaborate and listen. Listen. Talk about Venom. And- I really, really like Ragnarok, but I've only seen it in the theater, and I just don't feel like watching it right now. But I super like it, so I always say it's my favorite, right? I like elements of the Ant-Man c- series, right? There are certain things that they get right about that. I don't have a problem with Captain America movies at all. The Avengers movies can pretty much bite it. Uh, even the even the major big ones, I got emotional towards the end of the big old battle when Wong showed up. I'm not joking. It was Wong that did it. Wong shows up doing his little magic spell hands, and I was like, Yes! 
They got Wong! Everybody else is cheering because, you know, the hero ladies group shot. And I'm like, screw that. Get Wong over here. That's where I got emotional. So those movies are overblown and big and somewhat impressive and somewhat... I do get tired of every single one of them ending with a 40-minute CGI bar fest. It's getting really Of, like, hordes and hordes of people fighting. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like Black Panther was great till the final action sequence. Same thing Wonder Woman where it just took all the reality out. I mean, no, I know I just said the word reality, but you know what I mean? The human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reality that they set up, even. They break their own realities a lot. Captain Marvel was just a turd of a film. Hold on, hold on. on. Spider Man movies are good. I'm getting to it. I'm getting into it. Spider Man movies are good. Blade is really good. Actually, I've seen Blade the most, and Blade is really great. Blade 2 or Blade 1? 1. Uh, two. two, I've seen less than Blade, and three, I've seen less than that. <laughs> As you but should. Blade Two is okay. It's not great. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro is not great. He's a visual guy who's great, but his storytelling is dull for the most part. But they got Spidey right. Marvel got Spidey right. Not the side, you know, Spideys. The alternate Spideys, which are probably now going to be in- involved in the Spider Verse stuff. But Venom. I'm Eddie Brock. I'm a reporter. I found something really bad. I'm hearing a voice. Eddie. I have been taken. What is that? What do you want from me? You will find out. You have no idea how much you're scaring me right now. What the hell are you? We are Venom. Once you get past the main introduction to the story, so after 10 minutes, that movie starts taking off and it doesn't stop and it is a hoot and a holler. The major setup at the very beginning, uh, I could give or take. But once you get past that, also it's LB's, she's got a big thing for like the Venom Eddie duo. <laughs> She's like, she likes them together in a kind of kink kind of way. All right. <laughs> if you get online, she doesn't look at these that I know of, yes, but she's she seen does. them. And <laughs> she's seen them. But uh, you should get online and take a look at the Eddie and Venom cartoons that oh, are drawn. Oh, <laughs> I bet you there's porno fan fiction. It's some stuff kind of like that, yes. And it's it's amusing to say the least. It's disturbing to say the most. But dude, Tom Hardy owns this. He film. does. That's the only thing I like about this movie. Oh my! I don't. I don't. First off, I've never liked Venom. I think Venom ruins Spider-Man. I'm a big Spider-Man guy, and I was. Oh, like, you're talking about in the comic. Yeah. It, that, it, so that's already preset in my brain, and it also screwed up Spider-Man three so bad. Uh, I still don't understand why they grabbed Topher Grace. Makes no sense. He's supposed to be the polar opposite of Peter Parker in the comics. At least he's a giant guy, Eddie Brock is supposed to be older, he has no control over his emotions, he's a a big brute, and he has no class. So he's the exact opposite of Peter Parker. It's kind of like, like I said, again, a reverse Flash thing. And uh, when they cast Topher Grace, I was like, what are you even doing? That makes no sense. Yeah. So in my yeah. mind, I already have an idea. I, I already have against Venom a little bit. And a little bit is because Venom looks like it should have been made 10 years prior. And it, but, but, but also, I could argue that with Shazam, and it works. Yeah, but the style of story, yes, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. But I'm just going to tell you this little bit of confusion. I saw these at the same time. Ram? Rampage and Venom, the beginning of Rampage fits perfectly as a prologue to Venom, except it's obviously not the same chemical right. thing, whatever. Or the end of but life. But it just sets up, so <laughs> I watched them at the same time, and I'm like, wasn't she in Venom? No? What? 
<laughs> oh, oh, that was Rampage. Okay, so I got confused for a second. But really, Venom latches on, and why it works is Tom Hardy did the performance of the Venom voice before did they he? shot any of his scenes. I didn't know yes, that. I didn't so know that all, wow. they played it in an earpiece for him or over a loudspeaker or whatever, but they played it on set so he responded to himself. So Venom is talking to Tom Hardy, and Tom Hardy is responding. What? What is? What's going on in my head? I'm Venom. Who? What? You know. So it's him actually doing against himself. It's it's really great, and he owns that, and that's how he owns it. Fantastic, fantastic CG stuff. CG's pretty solid, especially for what they had to do with it. Sometimes it doesn't work as good as I want it to, but I can't really complain. It's not Birdemic. Yes. Do you know what Birdemic is? Yeah, it's a, it's an intestinal flu I had one time, and uh, it was <laughs> no, so there's two I movies: Birdemic, Birdemic Two. I get your dumb joke. <laughs> <laughs> the graphics are pretty much desktop screensaver graphics. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just didn't care. I mean, it's not bad. I'm not going to say it's bad anyway. I just didn't care. I think it's because oh. I had seen also, I'm going to say this up straight. I saw Upgrade a week before I saw Venom, and I was No! Like... See, I, I can't have fun with Upgrade. Upgrade has amazing action sequences, but it's such a downer. It's such a downer I of a prefer... film. And I don't need all my films to be downers that are like that. It could have a glint of hope in its eye, and it doesn't have it. That's true. Well, it's, it's more of a horror movie than an adventure. I will say, Ruben, Ruben Fleischer is a guy who has this eye for unique projects, and they, it seems like the studio seems to get in the way a lot like i really oh, really yeah. enjoyed gangster squad but they sold it as untouchables mm. too and oh, right. was it 30 minutes or less it has a really great concept but i just feel like the way they sold it is like some weird crazy sex romp and i just it with bombs <laughs> <laughs> i feel like they just never know how to give him i don't know i just i hope better for him what is he he's doing the new zombie land right yeah because he did zombie land which was his big major thing yeah and then now he's finally got Zombieland 2 after they did a pilot for Zombieland for Amazon and it was not good because nope. it was cast oh. everybody else was a different cast but they're same characters and it wasn't good it wasn't it just wasn't no, good no, no. maybe it was just like a proof of concept like see you guys put us on Amazon see it's gonna suck it's always that they purposely sabotage it huh now here's the thing that bothers me the most about Venom it's not so much him it's because he was so insanely popular that they gave him a spinoff Zarya a crazy killer and then they gave him another crazy killer it was even worse Turned to Carnage. Carnage became a thing for years, and then became like female Carnage, like the Deadpool thing. I'm so sick of Deadpool now because the comics are just over. Run it. Yeah, it's just it's just gremlins. Yeah. You just keep pouring water so, on these characters, and they multiply, right. and they have slight variations of. So the the, yeah. the sequel, I guess, is going to take on Carnage, and it just I'm even less interested. I don't know. At least they. Well, it's Woody Harrelson as Carnage. That's true. I love Woody so. Harrelson. And if he can do uh, Menace and be comic at the same time, because I just realized, I just saw a clip of him doing some thing where he played Biden on SNL, and I forgot that he was a comedic actor what? until I saw that, and his and so his timing on his joke was really solid, and I was like, oh, right, he's a, he's a tried and true comedic actor. That's where he started, and that's his right. I, life, I, will, so, okay. I will stand by Kingpin as being one of the most underrated. I, you know you hate the word underrated. <laughs> no, LB oh, hates the word underrated. You, well, you're the same person. <laughs> we all know what happens. You absorb each other. She's your venom. Dude, we're not in society here. Nobody's shunting over here. 
<laughs> what a shunting. Is that some society grossness? <laughs> yes, oh, okay. yes, that's what it is. All right. No, but uh, I find Kingpin to be one of the funniest comedies ever, and it's based almost solely on his performance being so incredible. So take take a despicable character like that and make him murderous and horrible and give him ginger hair all clown-like, and there you have Carnage. Yeah. The serial killer that they—that's the end scene of Venom too, where he goes and he has a—he has a interview with. Him. Well, if Fleischer stepped away, right, and so now it's going to be Andy Circus. Andy Circus is directing it, yeah. So the the mocap and CG stuff is probably going to be even better. Yeah. So, but I suggest it. Really, it's a really good monster hero story, especially I'll, I'll with the interplay shot. between the characters. I'll give it another but shot. But the interplay with the, between the characters. Seriously, get beyond the ten minutes. Oh, I think you're going to go tell me to go read the uh, the. the porno cartoons <laughs> what no i mean yeah of course you want to look at those just to know what i'm talking about but no don't fall too deep into that rabbit hole <laughs> michael are you ready for the next episode now i gotta click a couple more of these i gotta absorb some more <laughs> what episode <laughs> well all right so that's what i think so shrunken heads uh i mean it's formative years yeah uh dark man Again, it's another one of those formative years things. These are all formative years except for the most modern, and that's uh... well. It's not just formative years for us; it's formative years for the people who made them. I, you know, it's really oh early yeah, you're on right. For... Actually, well, I mean, sadly, it was, it was basically the end of Clive Barker, uh, who would cash in every <laughs> single check for those Hellraiser sequels, buddy. Uh, you know, they worry about money for a while, even though they were garbage. Yeah. Shrunken Heads, and this is one thing I was going to ask you earlier, and I didn't understand. Why is there such a long gap between Forbidden, Forbidden, Forbidden Zone. Zone and Shrunken Heads? That's like a 13 year gap. What did he do? I really don't know. He might, theater? I think, theater, okay. local theater, theater troupe stuff. I'm pretty sure that. And maybe, I don't know. Huh. The Elfmans might be wealthy people, too. Who knows? Sure. I watched a video where they interviewed, where Danny Elfman was talking to his fans. And one of the guys mm-hmm. asked him, he was like, you know, you guys want to... I don't even know how this derailed so fast. Is when he said, hey, have you guys thought about going back and remastering the old Oingo Boingo albums? And I don't know where he took this, but he was like, he could have said the truth. Well, there was a fire at the Universal Lodge and all our masters were burned. Yeah. What he could have said was that. And he goes, I don't know about revisiting my past. That time in Oingo Bongo, it's so embarrassing. And you can see the guy on the phone, like through uh, Skype or whatever, like getting really sad. And he's like, I look back like, (laughs) the weird science video was so humiliating. I can't go back. I can't revisit that stuff. I always want to look forward to the future. And I was like, oh, come on. He could have just said the horrible fire. You're right. But no, he had to make everybody miserable. And 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 the girl who's interviewing him, like hosting the, the thing, whatever, she was like, well, it was the 80s almost everything is kind of embarrassing back then you just kind of have to enjoy the kitschy value of it no i don't i just didn't want to go back <laughs> like, oh, she gave you an out oh, look what i know about danny elfman is that he he had miserable time eventually because of his hearing he had bad hearing because of stage shows yeah very loud so they would do it every halloween and i didn't get to see them and i was of age to be able to see them and i didn't get to see them yeah it's one it's the one big band i never get to see what okay well uh we'll be back with something else some other time yeah well we already know what we're gonna do we can just tell them all right fine synth tell them synth thrillers oh right yeah 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 yeah. it's hard to explain but you know where synth wave yes synth wave thrillers so okay that's it catch you later everybody (laughs) I'm a big old gump.